Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in South Florida, it's time for South Florida Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of South Florida Business Radio, and this is going to be a good one. But before we get started, it's important to recognize our sponsor, Diaz Trade Law, your customs expert. Today on South Florida Business Radio, we have Amanda Montanez with Savills. Welcome, Amanda. Hi, Lee. Thank you. I'm so excited to learn what you're up to. But before we get too far into things, tell us about Savills. How are you serving folks? Savills is a global real estate firm headquartered in the U.S. and New York and globally in London. And then here in the States, you know, we are focused on the tenant representation business. And what that means to us business owners is that I'm representing you in your real estate transactions, not the landlord. We bring a lot of value in our lease transactions mostly, as well as acquisitions and dispositions of real estate. So you're an advocate for a person that's looking to lease commercial real estate? Yes, exactly. Or acquire, or maybe, you know, they have too much and they want to get rid of it. So we can help them out there. And what's your backstory? How'd you get involved in this line of work? Good question. So I actually had studied dietetics in school, which is clinical nutrition, and found myself not wanting to be in a hospital all day long, um, instead wanting to do some kind of consultancy work where I could be out in the world meeting people and really helping and where my schedule was different. So I got recruited by Savills to join the industrial real estate team. And I focus a lot of my time on food manufacturing, food distribution, but not exclusive. That's just what I like. For example, we're working with a lot of logistics companies, some healthcare manufacturers, and even some aerospace companies. So when it comes to commercial real estate, there's kind of niches within that niche, right? So like you mentioned industrial, you mentioned office. Are there other types of kind of specialties within the the niche of commercial real estate? Yes, you're right on. So we have office industrial, which you mentioned. There's retail, which, you know, Walmart, think of, and Arby's that you're walking into, McDonald's. There's hotels that would be considered commercial multifamily so if you were a student once and you lived in a dorm room that's a multifamily commercial property so in just as you've been working in this space for a while you've kind of gravitated to this uh, for a certain reason or you just got good at this how did you land where you landed <laughs> yeah so i i'm a very curious person and i just gravitated toward the industrial real estate and when you think about it, everything you touch, your pen, your phone, your brush you use to brush your teeth has gone through a warehouse at some point in its lifetime of being a product. So I'm always curious, you know, when I'm driving down I-95, I'm looking at trucks and I'm wondering, oh, where is that going? Like, I wonder what's in there. So that's really how I've stayed in the industrial industry, if you will. So how is uh, that industry doing in the South Florida economy? How are you bullish? Are you kind of nervous? Uh, You know, there's a lot of stuff that you're reading about and hearing about regarding the economy, but how is the South Florida kind of uh, commercial real estate doing? South Florida commercial real estate is very strong. If you're a landlord, you're having a great year. Vacancy rates are historically low, like below 2%. 
if you're a tenant, it's a little scarier. And that's who I service is the tenants. It's a little scary, right? You're going to have to start planning way ahead of time, a year at minimum before your lease expires um, to plan. What am I going to do in the next year? Um, Rates are going up astronomically. We're talking 20% in a quarter, 50% in two quarters. And I've seen even rates being proposed at more than double than what they're currently paying. So landlords having great year tenants, not so much. Now, at what point in time, if I, um, right now I have a, um, a lease, uh, everything seems fine, but I know maybe it expires in three or four years. Is this something where I should start having conversations with you or somebody like you today, even though it, it's a way off, but just so that I can start kind of getting my ducks in the row and planning for a future that, you know, who knows what it's going to be like in several years. But do you want to have more conversations with folks, even though that maybe their lease isn't ending tomorrow, but it's ending soon at some point? Right. Yes. We always say leases, you have to do something. You either close your business, you move out, or you renew for the most part. Um, so yes, three, four years. That means you might've just started a lease. Typically they're about five years to seven years, maybe 10. Uh, right now we're seeing a lot of seven year proposals, but I would say, why not be prepared? Why not start exploring your options? Maybe you have a sudden need to double your warehouse space or You acquire a company and you haven't even thought about the real estate, but where are you going to put all these people that need an office space, right? So always good to have an advisor on hand, always good to be planning Um, because I'm thinking about real estate every day, but business owners typically aren't thinking about real estate every day. So I, I think get an advisor as soon as you can. And in the case of you or somebody like you, a tenant advisor is somebody that I'm not actually paying for you, right? This is just taken off. Your commission is handled during the transaction? Yeah, that's right. So typically for a lease transaction, as we're talking about, we split the fee with the listing broker and the landlord is paying that. If you decide to not use a tenant representative, instead of sharing that same fee, we will just go direct to the listing broker. So really you're not saving any money by not using a tenant rep. Um, You're just maybe missing out on some terms or some language might've been written better um, without using a tenant representative. Now, can you share some advice or maybe some things that have come up with you as a tenant advisor, how you've actually helped save uh, your clients' money or helped actually make them have a better deal because you, like you said, you you know this stuff like the back of your hand. You, you're you in this business 24-7 where I'm doing this every, like you said, seven years. So I'm not an expert by any stretch and you know where all the kind of landmines are. Can you share maybe one or two examples of, hey, do this instead of that or this, you, you can negotiate here or you can't here? Right. So a lot of my work is really deep financial analysis. And based on the language of the contract, our modeling changes uh, quite significantly. And I'll tell you a quick summary of a project I'm working on now is with a company who is in about, let's say 50,000 square feet and they need more space, but the current building they're in can't 
um, take them into the adjacent space. So we're in a situation where, okay, do we stay where we are and expand into a different space? Or do we just take an entirely bigger space altogether somewhere else? And when we do all of these modelings, for example, one park might be at $19 a square foot and another park might be at $12 or $14 a square foot. And over five years with that much square footage, that comes out to a difference of well over $4 million. And so when you're able to analyze the bigger picture, analyze all your options in a macro sense versus just micro, okay, $14, $19, that's a $5 difference. No, it's really a, a difference of term of total occupancy costs. We're looking at how much does it cost you to move? And that's included in the cost savings. So it could be, you know, staying might not cost you too much today, but over five years, it'll cost you a lot more than leaving and taking up the upfront moving expenses um, to get into a separate facility. Now, what about, um, like I've heard of these things called, called opportunity zones or certain parts of the community that are maybe tax advantaged um, or there's a benefit for moving into you know one part of town than another. Do you help in that area as well, like identify that or explain how that might be beneficial? Yeah, so our business incentives groups, um, they can help us with, on a zip code by zip code level, determining how much incentive money might be available um, in those zones, as well as depending on the number of jobs that you're providing or the level of revenue that you're contributing to the area, that kind of determines how much incentive money there is in those zones. And working with a firm like yours, you have act like your team is large. You have a lot of resources that uh, you may be an individual tenant rep wouldn't have at their disposal that you do right yep we're a global global firm um and we have experts for example i work with my close friend and colleague wayne he's out in our la office and we are able to collaborate on deals where i'm in south florida and i might say hey prologis is is doing kind of this tactic what are you seeing in california and kind of share strategies um, that we might not know otherwise if we're not able to collaborate on such a national level. So for you, what's the most rewarding part of the job? My favorite part is really being able to influence these business owners' decisions, right? If I'm able to save them $5 million over 10 years, a $5 million increase on the lease is effectively, if you want, you know, a 10% margin, $50 million of revenue that they don't have to figure out. How am I going to make $50 million more million over the next 10 years? Um, and I just get a lot of satisfaction from being able to start with an idea and start with a complex issue and then turn it into a solution that's tangible and, you know, keep them coming. So um, you mentioned you're in the industrial and uh, office space. Is there kind of an ideal client for you? Like what does your ideal prospect look like? Yeah. So my ideal prospect looks like anybody 
and everybody who's occupying uh, a warehouse. So it could be a food distributor. It could be an electronics distributor. It could be a third-party logistics company, a maintenance repair organization, a manufacturer. Um, now, manufacturing is actually a, a tricky situation. Those are really hard to move. Um, so if you want to move, you really have to start planning. And that kind of goes back to that question of three or four years in advance. If you're in manufacturing and you're seeing growth, you're seeing that maybe my operation here isn't quite efficient. I might need another building. Three or four years goes by in a blink. It is not that much time. So those are kind of my ideal clients. And then I guess a little flashback to a question that you asked earlier. And um, so are are your clients people that are in South Florida that are moving from one location to another, or are your clients people that are just moving into the South Florida market for the first time? Both. So since we're a national company, we can help clients expand into other states, or we can help clients within South Florida specifically, who might have that lease expiration, might want an additional office, an additional warehouse, or might be wanting to get rid of. Um, excess real estate that they don't need. Is there certain industries that you find is a good, uh, where South Florida is a good sweet spot where you might be able to help them? South Florida, it tends to be heavy on aerospace, really. If you go up north, you see the Space Coast is quite busy out there. And then if you keep going farther north into like Georgia, you have some uh, aviation manufacturers out there. And then if you go farther north, like into Charlotte, you have Honeywell out there, headquartered there. So I think the East Coast is pretty heavy on aerospace and then a lot of logistics companies. We have three huge ports, right? The airport of Miami, the Port Everglades, and then the Port of Miami itself. Uh, not to mention, you know, we have Port Tampa and then Port of Jacksonville. So those industries, aerospace, trade, logistics huge for me and for South Florida in general. And when they have that many ports, they have lots of stuff that have to get on and off of boats. So uh, they need places to put it, right? Yes, that's right. So um, just a little tidbit, the port of Miami, or the airport, sorry, the airport is actually planning a five-story vertically integrated cargo center to be delivered in 2027. Um, the port right now has some goals to increase the number of imports. And like you're saying, it has to go somewhere. And we don't have land in South Florida. So where is it going to go? It's going to go up. <laughs> so those are some, some plans that are happening. I've been talking to developers and listing brokers about, okay, we have some land. We can't go too far west. The Everglades are there. We can't hurt the wildlife. Um, when are we going to start going up? Developers are a little reluctant right now to start going vertical. It's expensive, um, not to mention who's going to be able to afford to occupy those spaces. Um, so we're seeing development is being very cognizant of what's going on in our environment, what's going on economically, and being a little slower than in the past two years. Of We've heard like warehousing this, warehousing that, like, oh, it's just hot, hot, hot. I think it's going a little less red hot, but still very strong. Right. I mean, the demand is there. The, the need is there. It, I mean, something's got to give. Yes, something's got to give, but you can't be careless about it. 
And that's why they need experts like you advising them. If somebody wants to learn more about you and your work, and uh, the what's the best way to get a hold of you or somebody on your team? So I'm available via cell phone. Uh, and everybody who's listening, you can write it down, 916-740-5485. And my email as well as LinkedIn. And I'm actually trying to start a South Florida Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals Roundtable, and that is a national supply chain network of professionals in the industry. We don't have one down in South Florida anymore, so if they want to get in contact with me about um, either real estate or supply chain in general, happy to be a resource. And your company's website? My company's website is savils.com, S-A-V-I. L-L-S dot C-O-M. That's our national or international website, our U.S. website, S-A-V-I-L-L-S dot U-S. And then from there, they can find the Miami office? Yes, that's right. Good stuff. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing such important work and we appreciate you. All right. Thank you so much for the compliment, Lee. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on South Florida Business Radio.